I want to look at your face, Jesus, face to face. The word presence, his presence, means face to face. Come on, you know what? You can go deeper. You know what? You can go deeper. No more mediocre Christianity. No more mediocre Christianity. You can go deeper. You can go higher. You can go higher. The Lord wants to show you his glory. Isaiah 61, arise, shine, for the light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The word arise in the Old Testament means stand at attention. I've given you an order. I am your commander in chief. Some of you, the Lord wants to open up your ears. Arise, arise, quit doing your own thing. Quit being distracted. Quit being compromised. Arise. Stand at attention. The glory of the Lord has risen over you. Show me your glory. You know what? Some people have the mentality. I've seen it all. I've been around the church all. I've been seeing all. You know what? You have not seen it all. You have not experienced it all. There is more for you. Get, break off that religious mindset. That is a spirit of religion. That's what the Pharisees thought. And they didn't recognize the presence of the Lord. We will recognize the presence of the Lord. And we will say we want more. How hungry are you? How hungry are you? Do you have capacity or is your capacity cluttered up with other stuff? The Lord says, I want my glory to shine on you. Isaiah 61.1. So I just quoted Isaiah 61. Now I'm going to say what Isaiah 61.1 says because it's related. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news. See, the glory of the Lord and the Spirit of the Lord being upon you is connected. Sometimes we just want to visit His presence when we need it. But the Lord, for His children, He wants you to walk in His presence. He wants you to dwell in His presence. Oh, Pastor Lynn, you know, come on. You know what? We're going, we're going higher. We're going deeper. We're going to swing for the fences. Not just me. You're going to swing for the fences. You're going to go for it. you got to go after it. The Lord says, and I'm going to teach you, and I'm going to challenge you, and I'm going to provoke you. I am going to provoke you. I am going to provoke you to go after it. No more chains. The blood of Jesus broke them all. And his final breath is in you. It's in your lungs. Come on. Come on. Why do we believe that believers, that Christians, that Holy Spirit-filled people wear this? They're all broken. Every chain is broken. The blood of Jesus breaks every chain. The enemy 
he's a liar. And the truth is this, the ability that you have through the power of the Holy Spirit, the ability that you have through the Holy Spirit can break every chain. The script of the world, the script of the world says that addiction is part of you. The script of the world says it can never happen for you. Even the script of religion says that. But we don't serve the world and we don't serve religion. We serve the almighty God. We believe what he says. I am a new creation. That your blood is powerful. It reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. The blood of Jesus breaks every chain. It's just, do you want it broken? Do you want it broken? Does that chain serve you in some of the way? Do you go to it? Do you go to it to fill you? Do you go to it to soothe you? Do you go to it because your flesh hungers for it? Now that's what we got to go after. That's what we got to go after. The glory of the Lord shines. Come on, I am so sick of the enemy. I am, I, I am sick of the enemy. I am sick of the enemy binding people up or at least convincing them to remain in their bondage. I am sick and we're going to go after it. I, and it's not going to be one great service and then we go back to humdrum. Every time we're going after it. We're going after it. You know what? You need to go after it until the victory's won. You be persistent. Don't you shrink back. Don't you shrink. The enemy's counting on you shrinking back. The enemy's counting on you to lose your grip. The Lord says, don't you dare faint in doing what is right. Because the reward is coming. If you faint not, if you faint not. And that picture is this. It's a picture of tug of war. Y'all played tug of war before. And you have the enemy on one side and you're on the other side, but tug of war is not lost in the feet. It's lost in the hands. Jesus says, I'm your anchor in the tug of war. I'm your anchor in the tug of war. He's on the, you know what an anchor does, right? They sit back, but you can't lose your grip. You can't lose your grip. The Lord says, hang tight. Don't lose your grip. You will win the battle. The reward is coming. But you, some of us, we start believing the trash talking of the enemy in tug of war. Saying you're going to lose. That addiction's been in your family line. That mental illness has been in your family line. Too, many, too much has gone by. Too much. See, the enemy, all he can do is trash talk you. Yes, he has succumbed every principality and power to fight against you. But none of them can even stand in the presence of Jesus. And remember, your anchor is the presence of Jesus. But you can't believe the trash talk. Some of you, the Lord says you're losing your grip. And I want you to grab that rope. Because victory is on your side. 
He is the victorious one. His glory, his glory, his glory. But you cannot believe what the enemy is saying to you. Some of you are fighting for your children. Some of you are fighting for health. Some of you are fighting for maybe something that's a financial challenge for you. But the Lord's saying, don't you dare lose your grip. Believe me. Believe what I say. Don't get distracted. Don't get fearful. Do what I tell you to do. Obey me. Glory of the Lord. Holy Spirit. Nothing can stand in your presence. Holy Spirit, come on. You know what? The Holy Presence. The Holy Presence. Show me. about in the last few weeks if you've been here you would have heard it that you can either be an expert in the lower level or you can step up higher with him and become a novice in the new level and the Lord is extending his hand to you to say I want to teach you new things empowerment a greater level of empowerment a greater level of the anointing in your life to flow through you. 
And if you say, you know what, I will receive that. See, the thing is, it's hard to be a novice in the new thing because you have to be humble. And you also feel a little bit like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't really, <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to make a mistake, Lord. I'm afraid I'm going to screw it up. I'm afraid that I won't bring you glory in this new thing because I don't know what I'm doing. So a greater level of trust in him is required. So it's easy to step back to, to say, you know, I'll just stay where I'm at. The only problem with that is we can get dry and we depend on self. Because when the Lord is calling us higher, when the Lord is calling us like he did to the disciples, he said, you know what? You're going to be fisher of men. You did a good job fishing, but now you're going to be fishers of men. See, they never would have seen the glory like they saw had they not said, I'm leaving my nets. I'm going to go follow Jesus. And in that same way, the Lord's saying, you know what? You are going to a new dimension in me and I'm going to show you my glory, but you're going to learn from me. You're going to submit to me in a greater level. You're going to humble yourself to a greater level. Yes, you're going to put yourself out there. You know what that means? You're going to get out on that limb and you're going to say, Lord, if you don't show up, I'm pretty humiliated. I live that way, actually, by the way. Depending on the Lord to show up. How many of you can say, that's a word. How many of you can say, yes, that I'm going to do that? I just want you to raise your hand. Raise it. And if you don't mean it, don't raise it because the Lord knows what's in your heart. I don't want you to lie. But if you mean it, I want you to raise your hand and I'm going to pray over you. The Lord is doing something in this house. Boy, is he doing something in this house. The fire of God fell at the men's retreat. The fire of God fell. <laughs> Let's just say this. People got baptized in the Holy Spirit and in fire. I don't want to, I don't want to, um, steal their thunder but i just know that i want to send you that that message i don't think it's ever been like that before at the ministry not like that level not like not like pastor dave's hands glowing with the fire of god i'm not kidding you glowing with the fire of god and there's so much to tell you about what happened yesterday but i'm telling you it's a new season that the men of Crossroads, <laughs> oh wow, the glory of the Lord. They're gonna, this house is going to be known for firemen, 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 firemen. This house is going to be known for firemen. I, I'm, and it's not going to be just a momentary thing. It's a season change. I declare it. I decree it. We already got fire women around here. We have fire men too. And the men, the men are the protectors of the kingdom of God and the advancers of the kingdom of God. And we need both men and women, fire men, fire women. And I'm going to tell you, God, I'll tell you what, they were praying <laughs> until around 11.30 p.m. last night. And then they sent me a picture, all my sons and brothers in the Lord. And Pastor David sent him a picture and said, told, gave me a testimony about what, 
went on and we'll share more about that next week when they're here but I want you to know it's a new season but you are not to be left behind in that if you don't want to be if you if you want to sit on the sidelines sit there but I'm going to tell you what we're going for forward and we're going for it so if that's you, I know I had your hand. You're all like, okay, Pastor, when you told the story. Okay, back up. All right, if you say that's you, more of your glory. I'm going to go into the new thing. I'm there. I'm going in the new thing, Lord. Show me your glory, Lord. Show me your glory, Lord. Show It's time to advance. Get out your weapons and fight. The weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty for the pulling down of the strongholds. Quit being afraid of the stronghold, for the weapons of your warfare are not physical. But they are spiritual. strongholds stronghold is something that the enemy has embedded over time that he defends that he has a defense a fortress a stronghold is like a fortress but the weapons of your for of your warfare are not mighty physically but they are mighty spiritually for the pulling down of strongholds. Warrior spirit. Quit running. Some of us are running afraid of the enemy. Some of us have given the enemy so much power because we have fear. The fact is this. You have the Holy Spirit in you to tear down anything that the enemy has tried to build up in your family, in your life, in yourself come on come on you gotta fight though you gotta fight the Lord has equipped you 
You are Christ's testimony of his ability to bring victory. You are Christ's testimony of his ability to bring victory. So may our lives go out and testify for him. We receive, Father. You know what? You know, I, I can't stand stale Christianity. I can't stand it. I can't stand, just like Paul writes, we're not going to have a gospel without the power. We're not going to. What's the use of gospel without power? We're going to have the gospel of Jesus Christ because that is the power for salvation. For salvation of all things. From salvation from all things. Lord, I pray over this house. A submitted spirit over this house. A humble heart over this house. Lord, that we would not pitch a tent in mediocrity ever. Or in a sense of, well, everything's okay. Okay financially, okay, you know, ministry's fine, whatever. We're not going to pitch a tent in mediocrity. We're going to go forward. And we're going to enlarge the territory. And we're going to advance against the enemy. And we're going to take back what the enemy has stolen. We're going to do what Jesus did because we're his followers. And that is destroy the works of the enemy. And Father, I declare that over this house in your name. And you're going to show your glory just like you did last night in San Juan Batista. You showed up with your glory, with your fire, just like you will today. Because it's a new season over this house, Lord. It's a new season. You've, we've had great seasons, but those were only foundational for what you have for this house. So we thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you, worship team. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You ready to move? My mic. You know, we have electricity. But you know what? Even if we didn't, we'd still have service. So, but we have electricity. Praise the Lord. We have power. Never stopped having power. No matter if the electricity's on. Amen. 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 <laughs> um, in India, brownouts. And in other words, rolling uh, loss of electricity is very, very common. You just don't want to get stuck in an elevator. Yeah, that's why I never rode elevators in India. I'm, ser I'm serious. I, I, it was funny because I was watching a, a show last night, a house show, you know, where they go, they go and look at three houses and they choose one. You know those shows? Anybody else watch those houses? I know. I know it's like set up. I know all that, but it's still fun. But these people were doing it out in the Colorado Rockies, so it was quite interesting. So Phoebe was watching it with me, and the one house, they had like all kinds of stairs. I mean, to get to the front entrance, because it was built on a mountain. So she goes, man, we couldn't do, 
that many stairs every day. And I said, you know what? I, I said, oh, yeah, I know. And then I said, oh, no, I did that. In India, I had to walk six flights every day to my flat. Yeah. Oh, man, right? No, actually, it was good for me. Actually, it was really good for us, you know. So it's interesting how blessed we are and how when we um, have to go through a little hardship like loss of uh, electricity, it can be very devastating to us because we're so used to our comforts, right? And, um, you know, yeah, and listen, I'm high maintenance, so I'm not criticizing anybody, but uh, yeah, I get it. But it's an interesting time that we live in, even in California. Let's keep in prayer the people who are um, going through the fires, okay? Let's keep them in prayer. That's very devastating. And let's keep the church up there in prayer, how to minister to the people. Amen? Amen. Today I'm going to speak to you about give me this mountain a hardened heart. He's like, you know what? I don't know if I want to hear that one. But it's interesting in Scripture how our hearts are attached to our ears. Hmm, what do you mean? Well, how we hear, how we listen, how we receive has to do with where our heart is. Ezekiel 3.7, and it's not up here, but you can write it down. Ezekiel 3.7, because I'm going to refer to Ezekiel at the end. Ezekiel 3.7 says, But the people of Israel are not willing to listen to you, that means to Ezekiel, because they are not willing to listen to me, that means the Lord. For the whole lot of them are hard-hearted and stubborn. A lot of times we don't receive because we have a hard heart. And sometimes we don't know we have a hard heart, okay? And that's what I want to challenge us today, to just take a heart check, to find out, do is there an area of my heart, Lord, that's hard? Maybe you didn't know it when you walked in today, but the Lord will identify that because as he identifies that and softens our heart, there's a greater level of Holy Spirit power that we can have in our lives. The enemy would want to harden our hearts through two things, pride and pain. Okay, and I'm going to address those two things, pride and pain. He likes to use those two things to keep our heart split off from the Holy Spirit impacting that area, covering that area. And those two things can be very uh, common in our lives. But we are in an era of time that we need to be full of the Holy Spirit in such a way that all of us, all of us, in all ways belong to the Lord. And that's why I believe the Holy Spirit has sent this message to us because he wants every part of you so that you can be that warrior and that conqueror that the Lord has designed for you to be for such a time as this. Because it's time for us to surrender our hearts and lives in every way. It's time for us to yield to the Holy Spirit in every way. 1 John 4, 4 says this, You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater 
than the one who is in the world. Therefore, we need to walk in that overcoming power so that we can defeat the enemy. So it's very important that we have a humble heart. Psalms 51.17 says this, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. So are we, are we willing to allow the Holy Spirit into every part of our hearts? Okay, and that's going to be the challenge. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. It's interesting because even believers, Christians, Christian leaders can become proud. And in the moment you become proud, in that very moment, God is opposing you. So if I'm up here and I'm preaching and I get a spirit of pride, I, am, I have just stepped into being opposed by God. I don't want that. I don't want to be up here like that. I don't want to have a life like that. I don't want, so it's very important to be very aware of where our hearts are at. So let's look at pride first. Pride. Pride's a hard thing to preach about, by the way. <coughs> Scripture speaks of pride as when your heart is lifted up. And there's a lot of examples of pride Especially when God is relating to the king, Second Chronicles twenty six sixteen, just a couple examples of how God brought down the proud. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. After he became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. How many times have I seen people begin their walk with the Lord humble? And then somehow the spirit of pride entered in. Maybe some of the blessing, maybe some of the favor got in there. And all of a sudden, the humility and the willingness to lay down and suck carpet. You know what that is, suck carpet? You know what I mean when I say that? Who knows what I mean when I say suck carpet? Oh, not very many of you. I better explain it then. It's when you get, (laughs) I'm like, whoa, what is, um, when you lay before the Lord face down. It's like it's kind of dirty. Yeah, it is, but the Lord will the Lord will protect you. It's a place of humility. It's a place of surrender to the Lord. How many times do people become when God allows them to be powerful, allow pride to get in the way? Daniel 5:20. But when his heart became arrogant, this is speaking of King Belshazzar, but when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, hardened with pride, hardened with pride. He was deposed from his throne, his royal throne and stripped of his glory. So this shows that pride leads to the downfall, downfall of people. You know, it's, pride comes before a fall, right? It's kind of like when you laugh at somebody else for falling and then you trip too. Have you ever had that happen? You always have to beware of that. But pride also produces a hard heart. See, our hearts can be lifted up and proud and or our heart and become hard or our hearts can have a lot of pain and become hard okay but i'm going to address pride first because one thing that people don't realize is that insecurity is pride hiding out okay this is interesting because i have most people will not tell me they're proud but they will tell me they're insecure (laughs) Uh uh-oh uh-oh, 
Insecurity is pride hiding out. Oh, let me explain that because some of you may not believe me. When you are insecure, you're not trusting the love of God. You're not trusting the intentions of God. And insecurity has the expression of being threatened by another authority source. In other words, when another authority is present, you become insecure. See, when you don't trust God and his authority in your life, you are insecure. And we can, due to our insecurity, even pull others away from the Lord because we are insecure. Okay, I'm going to get into that in a minute. Because we want, in our insecurity, we want people to choose us over the Lord. Maybe, uh, well, no, I, I'm going to hold back on that. Because We can even feel threatened by somebody else's spiritual zeal for the Lord. Maybe they just got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Maybe they just went to a retreat. And all of a sudden, you're hearing and listening to what they're saying, and it makes you feel insecure It's connected to your pride. It's going to be really quiet today. Where's Pastor David? I need him today. I'm feeling real insecure. No, just kidding. I'm not. (laughs) See, the fact is this, is that we got to beware of pride that's fleshed out in insecurity. You all, in some way, have been delegated authority in your life. As a person who has a family, a husband, a wife, a father, a mother... You have been delegated authority in your life, authority from God. God gave to you your family. Do you realize that? God gave to you your family. God gave, if you don't have like maybe a biological family, maybe you're not married or whatever, you don't have children, God gave to you your realm of influence. And what you do with that has to do with your level of pride in opposition to God, okay? Because we can divide our own home because of our insecurity. Okay, let's get into where. So let's look into scripture. Let's see. Okay, all right, let's see. See, because insecurity, if it's pride, it splits our heart from God. Okay? There's the example of King Jeroboam. This is found in 1 Kings. And Jeroboam, if you don't know the history... Solomon was the son of David, King David. King David had a heart after God. Solomon began on the right path, but then veered off. He married foreign wives and ended up not serving God. And God said, you know what, for, your, for the sake of your father David, I'm not going to strip the, the throne from you, but after you, there's going to be a split kingdom. This is where Joab, Jeroboam steps in. It's during the split kingdom. One kingdom... The kingdom splits between the tribes. Jeroboam, God gives Jeroboam the kingship over ten tribes. And he gives Rehoboam the kingship over two tribes. Okay, so this is a split kingdom. Who gives Jeroboam ten tribes as the kingdom? Who does? God does. First, kingdom, first Kings 12, verse 25. Then Jeroboam... See, after he gets this authority, after God gives him all of this, then Jeroboam built Shechem as his royal city in the hill country of Ephraim and lived there. He went out from there and rebuilt Penuel as a stronghold. Jeroboam doubted, listen, Jeroboam doubted God's promise to him and said in his heart, 
Now the kingdom will return to the house of David. If these people go up to the house of the Lord in Jerusalem to offer sacrifices, then their heart will turn to their Lord, to Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and return to Rehoboam, king of Judah. So the king took counsel and followed bad advice. And he said to the people, It is too much for you to go all the way up to Jerusalem. Behold your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. He set the one golden calf in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin for Israel because the people went to worship before the one or the other of them as far as Dan. And all Jeroboam also made houses on high places and he made priests from all people who were not of the sons of Levi. Priests from, not from the sons of Levi because the Levites were the priests of the true and living God. What does Jeroboam do? He says, you know what? I'm so insecure. I don't believe God is going to keep this kingdom that he has given to me together. So I'm going to reestablish a religion in my own region so that the people don't go up to worship in the other region, in the, in the land of Judah. See, he has been given this realm of authority by God, but because he's insecure and he wants to protect himself, he doesn't trust God, and he builds another way for them to worship. Another option for them to worship. See, because he feared he would lose his kingdom if he trusted God. And yet God was the one that gave him the kingdom. 1 Kings 12, 33. So it shows us the pattern that is set in Jeroboam's kingdom over his family. Here God gave him the authority. And now through his pride and insecurity, he has established a different religion. So he went up to the altar which he had made in Bethel on the 15th day of the month, in the month which he had devised in his own heart, in the defiance of God's commandments. Heart. See, he doubted the promise of God in his heart in the f- first scripture, and now he has devised a plan in his own heart in defiance of God's commandments. And he held a feast for the Israelites, and they went up to the altar to burn incense in defiance of God's law. He made convenient altars for the people to go to. These are way more convenient to you than going clear over to Judah, to, the, to Jerusalem like you're supposed to do. I'm creating a convenience for you. Worship in a different way. See, he takes things on himself. He fears being replaced. He fears not being important. He fears not being the, the authority. He fears not being in control. And he doesn't trust God's word. And so he teaches his family, his people, to worship in a different way. Something that's way more secure for him. Something that doesn't make him feel insecure. Doesn't challenge him. Challenge his flesh in any way. And this worship, this false gods, these false altars would have a long-term consequence for the people of Israel. Because he established how the hearts of his family would worship. He taught his people to worship in a different way. And he taught them in a way that actually drew them away from God. He produced sin in his family line by establishing other gods, other idols. 
It's available to you. And so the people didn't serve the true and living God. Now, what's our takeaway on that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you, heads of homes, all of you, you all have realms of influence. See, God has given to you your family, and you are to lead them in the things of God, in the way God has established them. You are responsible for your family. You are responsible for how they worship. And you will teach your children, your grandchildren, your realm of influence, your friends. If your friends are like family to you, your best friends, whatever. You will teach them how to worship by your example. And our pride and our insecurity can prevent our sons and daughters from serving the Lord. I've seen this happen. I know this is heavy. I know it's heavy. But this is the root of, a, of, of problems. I've seen people. I've seen young people. I've seen young adults. I've seen people fired up. And then the authority in their life, it could be even a pastor, it could be a father, it could be a mother, it could be a good-intentioned auntie pouring water on their fire because that person, that adult, is insecure. They're insecure because their heart is a bit hard. Rather than saying, I want that too, they say you know what, you're getting a little radical. Come, let's go worship this God. Let's go worship the God of sports. I'm just going to let that rest here. I'm sick and tired of sports being a God to people. It's an idol. You can enjoy sports all day long. We do. Pastor Dave and I, we met Penn State football. I know. But it's never to be in the place of God Almighty and worship to him. I'm, I'm, I'm going for it. I don't care. You can fire me tomorrow. Seriously. Because our sons and daughters will serve the God you serve in the way that you serve him. Oh, come on. We go to church sometimes. Well, it's not all about church. You know what? It isn't because you got to live it out every day. It's not all. But church helps. It helps you. It gets you aligned. It holds you accountable. It's 360 degrees. Well, I see it online. You know what? You may see it online, but they don't see you. They don't see how you're doing. <laughs> oh, God. I wish my husband was here today. <laughs> He'd be all, preach it, lamb. Preach it. Listen. I'm just taking the lie of the enemy right now, and I'm defeating it because I am sick and tired of the enemy deceiving people. Your sons and daughters will serve the God you serve in the way or in the example that you serve him. So if you serve him in a lukewarm way, they will also serve him in that way. Because there's a statement, what one generation condones the next generation accepts so we look the other way the next generation is going to embrace that and we've seen that with morality things in our own culture and we've got to go take back what the enemy has stolen 
See, we are to cultivate the spirit of worship in the lives of our children, in the lives of our arena of influence, as leaders, as people in authority. We are to cultivate that. But I'm going to tell you, you're cultivating it. But the question is, what are you cultivating them to worship? You may, you're cultivating worship in your home. You're cultivating worship in your arena of influence with your friends, with whoever you have relationship with. You are cultivating worship. But what are you cultivating them to worship? Jeroboam cultivated them to worship these false gods because he was so insecure because the light was going to shine on his insecurity, which happened to be his pride. Do you have lukewarm Christianity? I'm just going for it. Lord, Jesus. Jesus, I'll go for it. I'm just, I'm just challenging because it's not going to do you any good. It's not going to do the people who follow you any good. Because the Lord wants the zeal for his house to consume you. See, Psalm 69.9, the psalmist says, zeal for your house consumes me. But my question is, what consumes you? What is your zeal really all about? See, the psalmist writes this in the midst of persecution. He writes this to say, you know what? Zeal for his house, for the Lord's house may not consume everybody else, but in my example, it's going to consume me. I am going to be consumed with his house. I'm going to be consumed with his presence. That's what it means. His house is his presence. But the fact is this. Does zeal for his house consume you? Jesus actually quotes this when he goes in and he clears the temple courts because they had a bunch of junk there selling it in the temple courts. And it's so crowded, the temple courts, which happened to be for the worship of the Gentiles and the women. So the women and the Gentiles could not worship because all this junk was in the court. And Jesus got a whip and he began to do the, the most angry thing Jesus did in Scripture. And he clears the temple courts and he quotes, or they remember, the disciples actually remember the scripture, zeal for your house consumes me. In other words, I will not let anything get in the way of worship. I will not get, let any of the material things of this world get in the way of worship. May that challenge you zeal for your house. Why do you say that, Lynn, right now? Because it has to do with pride. It has to do with human pride. Because when we have zeal for him and his presence, it's a surrender. It's a yieldedness. Worship is what we give to the Lord. We receive a lot from the Lord. But worship is what we give to him. It's a place of surrender, a humility. If you have difficulty worshiping, if you have difficulty, or if you're too prideful, I'm just going to get real. If you're too prideful in worship, guess what? You have a pride issue. An earthquake. Whoa, Jesus. Okay. Yeah. 
<laughs> I just feel the presence of the Lord. I'm going to tell you, because I'm, I'm going to break down the altar, uh, uh, the, the, false, the false idols of that. I had a man in my life uh, when I was young, when I was in my 20s, Pastor Dave and I were pastoring a church. It actually was a fairly prominent church. I'm not going to say where it was. But we were in a crowd of ministers that were very prominent at that time. Since then, I've been kicked out of that crowd. But anyway, um, prominent. And this man told me, he said this, Lynn, I am not for sure if God is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Now, he was a high up dude, okay? And he, he told me that. And it bothered me. Here I was, a young woman minister, which wasn't, I didn't have many support system at that time, way back in the early 90s. And he said, if I don't believe that, if God's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. I just don't believe that. But you know what? I watched his life, and I watched the lives of his children, because I knew the backstory. He was a platform guy, but I knew his backstory. And his children didn't serve God. And I said, hmm, interesting. Maybe you should have made the Lord God of all. Because the way you worship will be the way your children worship. The way you worship, truly worship, Because God is Lord of all. So I want to challenge us with our commitment to the Lord. To say, Lord, is there any hardened places in my heart? Any places of pride? Any places where I have set up idols in my family atmosphere? Idols that through my insecurity, maybe I trust more in those idols than I trust in you. Such as maybe my money, my career, my, my entertainment, recreation, hobbies, whatever it can be. Things that I have zeal, more zeal for than for your presence that I lean on. I lean on those things. Those are the things that I actually worship, truly worship way down deep. Lord, I give those idols to you. And I say crush those idols and cause you to be the one who I have zeal for. See, that takes a humble heart to accept or to recognize that I have done what Jeroboam has done. And in my insecurity or in my fleshliness, I have placed other options or other ways for my family to worship that's outside of God's ways. Have you set up worship alternatives? Have you set up worship alternatives in your life? Because if there's worship alternatives in your life, those who follow you, they're going to have worship alternatives in their life that are even greater distance from God. Are you leading in devotion to the Lord? Or have you allowed pride to get in the way? True devotion. Yes, here as we gather together, but at home, in your home, in your home life, 
in your business world, in your career, in your office area, wherever God has placed you, in your friends, in your time of entertainment, is the Lord the number one? Is zeal for his presence there in every arena of your life? When I was a little girl, I remember my father in his bedroom praying. I remember sitting at by the door. His door was closed, and he would pray and pray and pray. And we were, he didn't have much to give financially, but it created such a security in me. I had such security knowing that I had a father who prayed. And I would listen. I would sit there crouched. I remember being like third grade, young, sit there, and I would just listen. He would pray in tongues. I don't even know what that meant at that point. I did get baptized in the Spirit when I was 10 years old, so it, it came soon. But I would listen to him pray and pray and pray. And you know what? It was funny. As I was hearing from the Lord regarding this message, I called my dad. And I said, Dad, pray for me this week and pray for David this week. And we're, you know, telling him about the men's retreat, telling him about things going on. And he goes, Lynn. I pray for you every day. Because I know that when my father's zeal for his house consumes him. And there's nothing greater in a woman's life, a young girl's life, to know her father prays. Nothing better for a young man's life to know his father prays. His mother prays for them. Listen. There is not greater wealth than you can give your children or those you influence than the zeal for his house, the zeal for his presence. And the enemy is trying to distract you. The enemy is trying to seduce your heart away from the Lord. He wants to seduce your heart away from the Lord so that you serve him with a half-heartedness, a lukewarmness. That you build up these like you think it's a harmless idol that you go to, that you replace for what, where God should be in your life. And it's not harmless. It's not harmless. And it creates a hardened heart in our lives that we can't receive from the Lord. I know that's been tough. Let it sink in. What else hardens our heart? Not just pride, but pain. Pain hardens our heart. So sometimes our hearts harden not because of pride, but because of pain. And when we are in pain or when we are threatened, what happens, and this is the way God made us to a certain degree when we have physical threats, is that we have three responses to those threats. It's fight, freeze, or flee, or flight. Okay? Fight, flee, freeze, or flee. Okay? And this is sometimes, so listen to this, that is a normal response to physical threats that are going on, but sometimes we use those responses to when the Holy Spirit is wanting to get a hold of us. We use these very responses. We fight the Holy Spirit. I've seen people fight the Holy Spirit. They're miserable in service. They cannot, they are miserable. They're fighting. They're arguing with the Holy Spirit inside their head. They're not letting themselves 
get touched. They fight the Holy Spirit. Or they freeze. They freeze. Well, I have to be here. My kids are in the class over there. It'd be awkward for me. So I'm just going to freeze. In other words, I'm going to tune out what the pastor or the minister's saying. I'm going to tune out. I'm going to freeze. I'm going to psychologically, I'm going to disconnect and I'm going to freeze. I'm not going to, I'm going to shut down. I'm going to emotionally shut down. I'm going to spiritually shut down. I'm going to freeze. I'm not going to allow the Holy Spirit to affect me. Or we flee or run. I've seen people do that. They got, it's the hot, it got too hot. <laughs> so they're like, ah, oh, oh, I have a lunch appointment. Oh, it's only 1030. Oh, still, I have a lunch appointment. So they flee, they run. Or they don't show up again because they're running. I've seen that happen many times. They run from the Holy Spirit because maybe they have pain that the Lord wants to heal in their lives. And I want you to think about those things because part of the reason why we sustain a hardened heart is because we actively use those types of responses against the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will not move in your life without your permission. The will of man is respected by the Lord. And the Holy Spirit will not move Without your permission. So what are some of the pain that we can go through? Unhealed wounds. Experiences or relationships or words that have hurt you. Isaiah 53, 5 says this. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. Um, I want you to know that the world is assaulting you. The world is constantly assaulting your identity. And through those assaults, it brings you pain. The enemy is constantly trying to assault you. And sometimes, many times, we've had some bad experiences happen to us through the enemy's assaults against us. Maybe in your past, you've had an abusive boss or an abusive person in authority or an abusive or a neglectful parent or mother-father image in your life. Or maybe you've had some abusive or painful experiences in relationship. Maybe in a divorce. Maybe a, an unfaithful uh, person that you were married to. That has stripped away some of your identity or your masculinity or your femininity. Has come against you. Has created pain. Maybe you've had some bullying in the past in your life. Maybe you've even had spiritual bullying. People who have tried to dominate you in a very negative way. Maybe you've done things yourself and you have some pain. And, it's, and as a result, you know you've done those things. And it's created self-hatred in yourself, against yourself. All of that, it can be pain, and all of that, those are just examples, can create walled places in our hearts because when we've had pain and it doesn't heal, we don't want to experience it again, and so we wall off that area of our life. But in order for the Holy Spirit to come in, he has to go through that wall. You've got to let that wall down so that it can be healed. See, because God's design for you is not to remain in pain. 
Listen, God's design for you is to not remain in pain. God's design for you is to be strong and courageous and be a mighty warrior. And however the enemy has tried to come and kill, steal, and destroy your identity, the Lord has the Holy Spirit coming to those very areas to heal those areas of your heart. You don't need to wall them off anymore. But sometimes pride, see this is how pride and pain can be married. Pride can prevent us from allowing our pain to be healed. So we hide behind, we don't want anybody to know. We don't want, you know, sometimes I find this with men a lot too, men and women. But a lot of times with men, especially if they've had some really negative things happen in their past that have tried to strip away their masculinity. So they, they have a wall of pride, but actually what's happening is there's actually pain there that needs to be healed. Psalms 18.31, this is one of the last, uh, well, this is one of the last battles King David fights. And he recounts his victory over his greatest enemy, the Philistines in 2 Samuel 22. He's an older king at this point. Psalms 18.31. For who is God beside the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You make your saving help my shield, and your right hand sustains me. Your help has made me great. Your help has made me great. You provide a broad path for my feet so that my ankles do not turn away. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them so that they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for battle. You humbled my adversaries before me. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight, and I destroyed my foes. They cried for help, but there was no one to save them. To the Lord, but he did not answer. I beat them as fine as wind-blown dust. I trampled them like mud in the streets. You have delivered me from the attacks of the people. You have made me the head of nations. People I did not know now serve me. Foreigners cower before me. As soon as they hear me, they obey me. They all lose heart. They come trembling from their strongholds. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be God my Savior. He is the God who avenges me, who subdues nations under me, who saves me from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes from a violent man. You rescued me. Therefore, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing the praises of your name. King David went through a host of painful experiences, abusive abusive uh, king above him, King Saul. He went through a lot of things. His brothers didn't believe in him when before he went against the Philistine. There was a lot of things he could have said, I have pain. But David was known to have a heart after God. And he allowed God to touch his pain so that when he writes this psalm in his last great battle against the, against the Philistines, he is able to say, listen, you have made me a great warrior. You have caused me to be victorious. See, the fact is this. No pain can defeat you. No bad, tragic experience can defeat you if you let the Holy Spirit come in and touch that area of pain in your life. 
Don't let pride get in the way of allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and touch that area of pain in your life. See, the fact is this. As believers, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So every area, everything that you've ever gone through, you are a new creation. You are a new creation. And, and as a result, the Lord wants to make sure that you have a whole heart towards him. But he wants to heal those areas in your life. What else produces a hard heart is wrong thinking. See, the fact is this. You can have a prideful thought life. You can also have wrong thinking that has to do with your pain. Wrong thinking about what it means to be a man. Wrong thinking of what it means to be a woman. Wrong thinking. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself against the kingdom of the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedience to Christ. Is there a lie that you are believing that you hide behind? See, that lie builds up pride. Listen, men. The most masculine great men on this earth that ever lived on this earth had hearts after God. Jesus, King David, Joshua had hearts after God. Sometimes men can believe that to be a, a, a worshiper, to be a, a person who is humble before the Lord isn't masculine. That is a lie from the enemy. It's not weak. It's not weak to be a man after God's own heart. It's not weak. The world would want to tell you that because the world, the enemy's voice is behind the world. Acts 13.22 says of, of David, the one that just wrote that psalm. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. The fact is this. When we have a whole heart after God, we will do everything he wants us to do. Do you have a whole heart after the Lord? You have to address your pain. You have to address your pride. Secrecy is pain. Secrecy creates pain. You have to address secrecy in your life. Secrecy hides pain. Secrecy keeps pain unhealed. Secrecy is the enemy's playground. James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. See, when we confess our sins, what happens is it comes from the darkness into light and it creates healing. Romans 6.6 6 says this, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. See, secrecy keeps us a slave to sin. Secrecy keeps us a slave to sin. And you know what, people? It's time for you to blow up the pathway to the addictions. The fact is this. One thing about an addiction, a lot of times secrecy protects addiction. Any kind of addiction. Any kind. Any kind. It could be food addiction, whatever. 
shopping addiction, whatever it is. Secrecy protects the addiction. And that's why you got to blow up. You got to blow it up, the pathway to that addiction. You got to expose it and then blow up the pathway. It's funny, speaking of shopping, it's interesting. I was thinking about yesterday, I don't know if any of you ever shop at Old Navy. Old Navy's not an expensive store. It's kind of a cheaper store. And, and um, I, I shop there to get stuff for India that I wear, like, you know, clothes that are light, like 100% cotton clothes. And so I got some of that. You know how you get the cash that you can spend later? You know what I'm talking about? Kohl's has it. Old Navy has it. Well, anyway, so I got this cash to spend at Old Navy. Uh, th that finally it comes due, right? So you get to spend this cash. And so I thought, you know, I don't need anything. I do not need anything. I mean, I tell my husband that I really don't need anything. But I knew I had this cash. I'm all like, I have this money. I mean, it's old Navy cash, but I don't need anything. I should just delete those things and not even go there, right? But I knew I didn't delete them. You know why? Because I kept the pathway open. Because I knew good and well, Lynn, you're going to go spend that cash, and you know it. You know it because you kept the pathway to use that cash. And you even marked the date when that cash can be used. So you're lying to yourself if you say you're not going to go use that cash. I didn't blow up the pathway. I didn't. Because I knew way down deep inside I was going to use it. The fact is this, a lot of times with our addictions... We don't blow up the pathway. Because way back when, we want to keep it available to us. When the Lord says, you know what? You need to blow it up. Blow up the pathway to that addiction. Because if the path's blown up, you're not going to be able to get there. If you throw away the cash, you're not going to be able to get there. And that's what the Lord says regarding secrecy. Is that secrecy will sustain the pain of that addiction or pain of whatever you're being secretive about. And it creates a hardened heart. The other thing that creates a hardened heart is fatherlessness. And I just want to say, if you've had an absent father or an abusive father or no father, or maybe you had a great father, but there's some lack in, in the relationship, I know this, that our culture and our world has unleashed a principality of fatherlessness over the world. Fatherlessness. And fatherless means lack of identity. Not having an identity. And so the world has filled in the gaps with what identity should look like. Oh, you can be anything you want. You can be anything you want. You know what's interesting about that? Because freedom does have boundaries, people. Freedom has boundaries. Even psychologists would tell you they actually have a very popular study about children that they put in a large field. And they put these children in a large field without a fence. And the children huddle together in the middle of the field. But when they put a fence around the field, a large fence around the field, the children play all over in freedom because they know the boundaries. And what has happened with the fatherlessness, there has been lack of identity. The enemy has come in through the world's schemes, the world's arguments, the world's philosophies to give people what identity should look like 
in the whispers of the enemy and has created way more confusion now over the lives of people than ever. See, fatherlessness is from the enemy. And it creates pain in the lives of people. But the Lord says, I want to touch that area that you know who you are in me. That you have an identity in me. That I have great love for you. That my love is perfect towards you. You don't have to walk in a lack of identity. You can walk in security. Your heart does not have to protect itself. See, you can trust me with your heart. Last thing that can create a hard heart is poverty, spirit of poverty. And I just want to say something. As if you were brought up in poverty, it can create a sense of protection over self or self-sufficiency, a lack of trust for uh, the Lord providing for you. And the Lord wants to, to touch that area of your life. You know, poverty is an interesting thing. The spirit of poverty is even different because poverty, people can not have much physically but not have a spirit of poverty. And some people can be millionaires and have a spirit of poverty. Fear of loss. Fear of not ever having. Fear of it going all away. Second Corinthians 8, 9 says this. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty... He would make you rich. There is nothing lacking in Christ. See, these areas of pain can cause our hearts to be hardened. And the Lord doesn't want you to have a hardened heart. Worship team, come up. The Lord does not want you to have a hardened heart. In Ezekiel, remember I started with Ezekiel when he spoke about when, when God said to Ezekiel, the people will not listen. But really, they're not listening to you. It means that they're not listening to me because their hearts are hardened. That was in Ezekiel chapter 3. Now we fast forward to Ezekiel 36 when the Lord speaks to Ezekiel and he tells them this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. See, the Lord wants us to have a heart of flesh in every way towards him he wants us to remove pride he wants us to let him in to heal those areas of our pain see in ezekiel 36 when he says i'm going to give them a new heart a heart of flesh rather than a heart of stone ezekiel 37 is right after that because the word goes forth the breath of God breathes, breathes on the army. The army that is a valley of dry bones. He breathes on them by prophesying to them. Bones, you shall live. Breath of God, I receive it. The very last breath of Christ became the breath in me. I don't want to have a hard heart, Lord. I don't want to have a prideful heart. I want to lead my family in the ways of God. I want this generation to be even more powerful than my generation. 
You know what? I want every head of household, both husband and wife, to stand right now. Head of household. If you're a head of household, stand. I'm going after it, Lord, for you. There's more for you. Those of you that are standing, there's more for you. Take inventory. Take inventory. The Lord says, I've given to you. I've given to you this family. I've given to you these children, no matter how old they are. I've given them to you. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to be countercultural. We're going to put you first. You're going to be high and exalted in this house. Nothing, nothing, nothing is going to be competing with you. Zeal for your house is going to consume me. Listen, don't expect the people around you to have zeal if you don't have it. Zeal for your house. Zeal for your presence. Hungry, thirsty for you. Growing, growing, growing in you. The word of the Lord on your mouth. Guiding your children. Counseling your adult children. Helping your grandchildren. Loving them. Speaking the word of the Lord over their life. Being the watchman on the wall. No weapon, no weapon, no weapon, no weapon formed against this house is going to be able to prosper. These children belong to me. This house belongs to me. You need to let your children hear you pray. Hear you pray. Hear you pray in the spirit. Hear you pray for them. They may say, what are you doing, Grandma? I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. The enemy's fighting hard. He's crouching out the door. But guess what? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Come on. Come on, I want you. I want you to do inventory. Do inventory. Do inventory. Say, Lord, reveal to me. Maybe it's pain. Maybe it's not pride. Maybe it's pain. Maybe it's self-protection for some reason. This was a very hard sermon to preach. I feel like I was going around. I should have worn my work boots. I should have worn my work boots today. disintegration of the family the disintegration of the marriage, the disintegration of the family life in the church family belongs to us it's defined by the most high God who created it in Genesis chapter 1 it doesn't belong to the devil. The devil just likes to destroy and to distort. But in order for the family to work, Jesus needs to be in the center. He has to be in the center. 
He has to be in the center. You can try to do it any other way. You can take your children to a hundred counselors. You can take them to do this and that, trying to build up their confidence. But what they need to know is who they are in Christ. That they're never alone because Jesus is with them. And who's going to tell them this? You are. You're going to model it because they're going to worship the way you do. They're going to worship the way you do. They're going to worship how you do it. Don't wait till they're 18. Don't wait till they rebel and then you want to get them into the house of the Lord, but you had a hard time getting them here before that. I'm getting I'm just getting real with you people. I'm breaking the chains. You may not like hearing it, but it's the truth. And the truth is going to set you free. The truth is going to set, I am fighting for you. I'm fighting for you. I'm fighting for your kids. I'm fighting for your teenagers. I'm fighting for your young adults. I'm fighting for these young families. I'm fighting for the marriages. I'm fighting for you. I'm fighting for you. We will not have a hard heart. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. I want you to cry out for your family. I want you to rededicate you. I want you to rededicate you. To rededicate you to him today that I'm going to lead my family in the ways of the Lord. This house is going to be built like an oak of righteousness for generations to come. But how is it going to be built? It's going to be built on our houses, on our homes, on our lives, on the next generation. That's how it's going to be built. I'm fighting for you. Don't lose your grip. Some of you feel like you're playing tug of war with the enemy for the lives of your family. Maybe you have adult children that have families of their own. You're feeling like you're playing tug of war. The Lord says, don't lose your grip. You can do it in me. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us if we've set up alternatives to worship. Places in our lives that we have almost seduced our children toward because we liked it. Flesh acts. Because we weren't on fire for you. And so we led our children away from the fire of God. Forgive us, Lord. Some of you, I just feel like you just need to ask the Lord to forgive you. 
and open up your heart. Open up your heart to him because the Lord is good at U-turns. He's good at remedying. He's good at redeeming. He's a redeemer. Even after, as his children, we disobey him or we do something wrong or we don't inquire of him. It could be intentional or unintentional. The Lord is good at redeeming our bad decisions if we give it to him. Give it to him right now. Give it to him. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Because as you do that, there's going to be an unlocking. There's going to be an unlocking in your home. It's a new season over this house. It's a new season of power in you. Step into it. Step into it. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Break. Close the portholes, the Lord says. Close the portholes. Close the portholes. I'm looking at this chain. As I look at this chain, it actually wasn't my plan to bring it, but it was in Pastor David's office. And I said, oh, oh, there's a chain there. And the Lord says, pick it up. Pick it up. I'm going to use it today. I had no idea. Really didn't have anything to do with what I was going to say. The Lord says, close the porthole. I'll ch- break the chain. So this is the thing. Those of you that have a family line, the Lord says, those of you that have a family line of addiction in any way, in any form. The Lord says he's going to break the chain, but you need to close the porthole. In other words, blow up the path. Make Jesus. First, it's difficult to be addicted to something when you are full of the Holy Spirit. Actually, it's impossible. (laughs) It's impossible. If that's you, if you say that's a word for me in my family line, you may not be the addicted one, but you have, I want you to come down here. Come down. Come down. Let's do it. Not going to play. Break it off. Let the Lord break it off. Come on some of you open up your heart open up your heart open up your heart open up your heart it comes from within it doesn't come from without it comes from within the lord wants you to break off there's more there's more come on wait because there's got to be you know what there's more of you need to be down here Holy Spirit is here. Some of you are doing the freeze. Some of you are doing the freeze right now. <laughs> Lord's telling on you. He's telling on you. <laughs> Lord loves you. He says, don't freeze up. Come on. Come on. Some of you say, Pastor Lynn, in the service so that I can flee. And the Lord says, nope. He's not playing. He's tired of seeing a family in misery. 
He's tired of seeing sexual addiction, alcohol addiction, addiction to chemicals. He's tired of it. He's tired of it. He's tired of seeing families destroyed, depression addiction. He's tired of it. The Lord sees your family, sees the family line, sees the dynamics, and he says, I'm tired of it. Come down and help me. Vivian, come down and help me. I need some help. Okay, I want you to get the oil. Get the oil right there. Holy Spirit. You're going to get anointed. And your faith, your faith, you're going to extend your faith. You're going to extend your faith with the word. You're going to believe the word. Just go down and, and, and anoint. Just go and anoint. Vivian, just go and anoint. The anointing oil represents, it just is oil, but it represents the Holy Spirit. Your faith is being extended. Jesus always responds to faith. He says, your faith has made you healed. Your faith has made you healed. That's the way of our Father. He always responds to our faith. Things happen when we extend our faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. You're using your currency right now. You're saying, I'm going to spend this currency. I'm going to buy the freedom that Jesus has given for my family. I declare it. I decree it. Faith, faith, faith. Rise, rise, rise. Break every chain. We're standing for our families right now. The Lord says, even as you stand here, as you stand here, the Lord is going to start doing stuff in the hearts of those that you're standing on behalf of. Yes, they're going to feel rocked. They're going to feel the presence of the Lord. They're going to feel stirred. They're going to feel prompted. They're going to feel provoked. But the Lord says, that's going to be my doing because of what you have said to me today. You are standing here in authority over your home. You are standing here declaring that authority. And the Lord says, now, these, these who you, as their authority in their lives, are going to feel the provoking of the Holy Spirit and for some of them, it's going to make them mad at first. But realize when you hear of that, realize that's the Holy Spirit provoking them, prompting them. Some of them, they're going to be like the Apostle Paul, who was first called Saul, that was on the road to Damascus. And the Lord is going to knock them off of their horse. Don't you go pity them. What you do is need to recognize they've just been knocked off their horse because they're going in the wrong direction. And when that happens, what you're to say is say, son, daughter, 
guess what? That's of the Lord. You're going in the wrong direction. Some, some of them, I don't know who this is for, but they're in a wrong relationship. They're in a relationship that is not of the Lord or from the Lord, that is taking them away from the things of the Lord, from the spiritual heritage. And the Lord says, I'm going to break the bond of that relationship. Don't you dare try to mend it for them. Don't you dare try to get in them. Say to them, that is from the Lord. Tell them, even with the heart that they may have broken heart, say, that's from the Lord. The Lord has done this for you. The Lord has done this for you. going into battle don't shrink back swing hard the Lord is with you his power is with you the wind of God is at your back this is your harvest this is your harvest that are standing up here the Lord really wants to clothe you in a in him but he wants you to have a, a sense of you know what I am not going to be affected at all by the enemy's words about my family and I'm not going to be affected by the enemy's words that may be spoken to me through my family. Do you understand what I mean? Because if they're not serving the Lord, they're going to speak maybe the words of the enemy to try to discourage you from being passionate and zealous. And the Lord says, I'm going to clothe you. You're not going to be offended by the words from man. And you're not going to receive or allow penetration of the words of the enemy that will discourage you. You're going to be deaf to the enemy's words. And you're just going to keep swinging. You're going to keep swinging until the battle's won. Get the sword of the Spirit out. You're going to swing. You're going to swing. You're going to swing. It's time for you, Lord. We give this to you, Lord. Let's have the prayer teams available for those who will need special prayer. If you have a special need, you can receive prayer for it as we end the service. I'm going to just pray a prayer of blessing over you as you go. And you know, I just want to encourage you as you've listened to this word today. I know that it was difficult sometimes to hear some things. But you know what? The fact is this. We expose the enemy's hand. We expose the enemy's hand, his deceptions. 
And I want you to consider the word that has come forth today. Consider it, make it a matter of prayer in your life to say, Lord, is there anything, any idols that I have set up that I didn't even realize was there, anything that has hardened my heart towards you, just make it a matter of prayer as you go through this week. Lord, we thank you, Father, for your word. We surrender and submit ourselves to your word, Father. We love you, Lord. This house will be an oak of righteousness built on families and people who put you first, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you love us unconditionally and you keep drawing us to you. You keep drawing us into intimate relationship with you. We love you, Lord, in your precious name. Amen. God bless you as you go. Have a great day. Enjoy your week. If you need prayer, you can come forward. We have prayer teams available.